This is America the Bilingual, dedicated to all of you learning another language. I'm Steve Levine. A quick thanks to all our listeners who have posted a review on iTunes. It may seem like a small thing, but it's a big thing for building our audience. If you haven't yet, please post a sentence or two. We'd deeply appreciate it. So, I was a classical ballet dancer. That's Bettina Young recalling her childhood. Her mother enrolled her in ballet classes at an early age. Bettina was a natural. Her instructors put her on point, that is, dancing on her toes, before she was eight years old. Two years later, when Bettina was 10, two events occurred that would change her life. So when I was 10, and we visited our family, and I fell in love with Europe, not just France, but Italy, anywhere, anywhere we went. I think it was not just the fact that it was a different language, it was everything that was different. The food, the architecture. Bettina was born in the U.S. of an American father and a French mother. Her mother spoke French to her since birth, thus giving Bettina the gift of bilingualism. This first exposure to Europe would have a lasting impact, but so would another event soon to follow back in the U.S. She was dancing at her school in New Rochelle, New York, when two Russian women came to the class and sat in the corner. Only later did Bettina learn they were talent scouts. She was invited to audition in New York City. During the audition, there was an older man in attendance. Bettina knew he was a dancer by the way he carried himself. Soon she learned he was George Balanchine, one of the most famous figures in ballet. Bettina was accepted as a student at the School of American Ballet at Lincoln Center. The schedule was grueling. Bettina struggled to keep weight on. Her feet hurt all the time. But she excelled, and at age 15 she became a professional, landing a spot with the Dallas Ballet. It all seemed too good to be true, and it was. I had to stop dancing at a certain point because of my feet. Bettina explained to me that she had been put on point too early. Today, most schools wait another four years or more. For Bettina, it had been too much, too soon. Today, Bettina still looks like a dancer. She is lean, with long, straight blonde hair. Back when she was a teen, just as her dancing career was headed for an early demise, Bettina got a call from a Dallas modeling agency. They were looking for a dancer for a photo shoot. Bettina got the job, which led to others. The agency was affiliated with Eileen Ford Models in New York. And once again, Bettina was off to New York City. And I lived with Eileen Ford. And so I got a booking to go to France and do a job there. And I just thought, this is just the best. Bettina returned to her beloved France, this time as a model who could dress as a dancer when needed. She was confident that her French was good enough to make getting around easy. It wasn't. I thought I really knew how to speak French until I realized conversational and what you learn in school are two different things. While she improved her French with real conversations with dry cleaners and plumbers, she met an Italian man. 
Bettina called Eileen Ford for advice. Stay away from him, her boss said. But Bettina was in love. At age 20, she married the Italian, 15 years her senior, moved to Italy, and began living in the Italian language. I think after about a month of drawing the grocery list, <laughs> designing zucchini, and uh, trying to figure out a way to communicate, being as I like to speak a lot, um, desperation led to learning that. And it was much easier than the first round. You just absolutely fall right into it. I asked if she took classes. I did not. But I think that's because the Italians are much more forgiving than the French. Every day is a class when you live in Italy. Every person is going to teach you something in a coddled way, in a, in a nice way, not in a reprimanding, you know, oh, that's wrong. It's more like, um, oh, you know, si, si, va benissimo, I understand, you know, ti capisco, però si dice così. You know, they would correct you in a kind way, whereas the French would act like, je comprends pas. Bettina continued modeling in Italy and in a few years became pregnant. She modeled maternity clothes until the birth of her daughter, Alexandra. When she gave birth to her second child, a son named Niccolo, Bettina, age 28, walked away from modeling to devote herself to her children. I asked her what language she spoke to them. The languages I spoke was whatever I felt they were getting less exposure to. So when they were home, they were surrounded by Italian anywhere we went, and their family over there, and so I spoke only English. They heard me speak Italian to other people, but amongst us, as they were small, only English. Bettina and her family lived in the village of Chernobia on Lake Como, in a neighborhood where there were many international families. She and some other mothers set up English playdates for their children. Mostly they were native English-speaking moms like Bettina, but one German and one French mother joined in as well, wanting their children to practice English while in Italy. Life, Bettina told me, was pretty wonderful until it wasn't. Her marriage started to unravel. She and her husband went to counseling. Bettina wanted to work things out, but her husband didn't see a problem. Bettina says it was a traumatic time. She was sure that if you really love someone, you just work things out. But concluding, finally, that it was impossible, she made the wrenching decision to take the children back to the U.S. and live near her parents in Florida. Bettina how her children's English was when they came to America. So Alexandra was going into first grade, so she was five turning six when we moved to America, and Niccolo was four turning five, entering kindergarten. They were both perfectly bilingual, but they had very, very strong accents. It was highly recommended by our school that the children were taped in case of kidnapping or losing your child, etc., And they would do these small little tapes, recordings of your children, 
asking them about themselves video and that would give you something to have in your hand god forbid anything should happen so i said oh absolutely this is a great idea hello my, my name, name is alexandra ragazzi and i am from italy this is my brother nicolo he likes, he likes cars. cars you know so Niccolo got up and had the same thing and we listened back to these tapes and I said, oh my gosh, they speak English, but they are absolutely foreigners. I asked Bettina if she worried that her children would lose their Italian coming to the U.S. at such a young age. So when I moved to America, I continued speaking Italian with the children. They would hear my mother and I speaking French, but I really wanted them to continue with Italian because now we were out of the circle. In Florida, Bettina met an American, a lawyer originally from Kentucky and like her own father, a monolingual English speaker. His name was Greg Young, and among the many things he found attractive about Bettina were her language skills. They were married and had a child together, a boy named Daniel, and then another boy they named Jack, and a third boy they named Andrew. My second husband loved the fact that the children spoke languages. When we raised our children, the next three boys, he hoped that we would continue the same direction that I had with the first two. And I knew how beneficial it was for them, not just in English and school, but in Latin studies, in testing, in history, foreign history, the language probably gave them a huge boost academically. So Bettina made a big decision. She decided to return to Italy, taking all five children and enrolled them in school. You went to Italy? We did. For six months? For six months. And so that they would have that same full immersion. So I really wanted them to have the experience of having it on a daily basis to, to form friendships. So we did that when they were three, five, and seven. We waited another year and a half. We did it again. At that point, they were five, seven, and nine. Then we waited, and then we did it again when they were seven, nine, and 11. Bettina told me that some of her American friends thought she was crazy to disrupt her children's education in the U.S. There was a little Montessori school, the same school that Alexandra Nicola went to, and had just such a wonderful experience with being part of everybody else's lives, not just education. I don't think, quite honestly, Steve, that I went there with the ideas that it was all about being bilingual. It was about the experience of having something that wasn't just a certain type of upbringing, some kind of different surrounding, maybe old school, where people really looked at people in the eyes and where there was communication and warmth and attachment more than there was, what college are you gonna get into? 
I asked Bettina if it was difficult being in Italy for so long when her husband was back in the U.S. So Greg could not stay with us full-time in Europe and at the time would go back and forth. And I think that quite honestly, the quality that we spent of our time together when he was there with the boys was the most beautiful thing because it was separate in a way and the time there was just special. Bettina's decision to move her family to Italy turns out to be just the path recommended by one of America's top scholars of bilingualism, Stanford professor Guadalupe Valdez. For a very long time, people thought that uh, bilingualism created confusion, particularly in young children. We now know, and all of our modern research tells us that, in fact, that is false, that bilingualism gives incredible cognitive advantages to young children. Professor Valdez explained that we normally think the way to acquire a new language is to take a class. While classes can be useful, we should view them as good preparation for at some point actually living in the language. What happens in instructed language acquisition is that the learners always outnumber the fluent speakers, which is a difficulty because language is not a school subject. Language is really something very different. And while I can't learn math, possibly, or history, or physics, uh, all by myself out in the world, you can, in fact, acquire a language if you're dropped into the world (laughs) where you have to survive. So we know that. And the way that language is acquired naturally, the way you acquire a first language, is by being surrounded by fluent speakers who speak to you and act as though you understand. In instructed language acquisition, you might have, let's be generous, 20 to 1 is the ratio. And everyone in the class is at your same level. While we can practice the language, they don't know the language any better than you do. So you don't get a whole lot of rich kinds of of language, the affordances for hearing genuine language are limited. And indeed, you will acquire some language. But working with bits and pieces of language takes a very long time. If you never have the occasion to use the language, because language is acquired in use from individuals that are communicating with you, expecting you to understand, wanting you to understand, and inviting you to understand, And that was just what Bettina was giving her children when she took them to live for six months at a time in Italy. But is such a lifestyle only for the rich? No, absolutely not. So the Montessori school cost so very much less than an American school ever would have costed. We rented small little tiny places and did the same experience, but lessened our needs in order to provide others. To get another perspective on this story, I spoke with Daniel Young, the oldest of the three sons of Bettina and Greg. Daniel was seven when his mother took all the kids to Italy to live for the first time. Yeah, it was pretty hard. I mean, I sort of had to spend some time on the side learning the vocabulary and understanding what was expected of me at the school every day. And it was hard, but it was enjoyable, and it was was really... Uh, an educational experience because the second time I came back I, I felt like I was almost fluent. I asked Daniel what it was like outside of class. Uh, I always think back on like the language barrier wouldn't really matter anymore on the soccer field. That would be really cool how just playing the game you could sort of pick up on what kids said and learn the language a lot better just by just hanging out with people and playing soccer. But I, I can remember a few...
Daniel is now a student at Boston College. He will be studying abroad this fall in Milan, taking economics. He told me he is looking forward to using his Italian and gives his mother the credit. Well, I, I think it's something that uh, I could never really thank her enough for, and it's something that people rarely get the opportunity to do at such an early point in their lives. Daniel's younger brothers, Jack and Andrew, also speak English and Italian and are working on their French. Niccolo, the second oldest who was born in Italy, today lives in Florida and is fluent in English, Italian, French, and is working on a Spanish. Alexandra, Bettina's oldest child, also born in Italy, is married to an Italian man. They live in Los Angeles and are expecting their first child. Alexandra is fluent in English, Italian, and French. She says she'll speak Italian and English to their baby, while her husband will speak only Italian. Plus, they hope to find a Spanish-speaking nanny. When my wife Lori and I had our two sons, we dreamed of taking them to live in a Spanish-speaking country so that we could become fully bilingual as a family. But our business was growing. The boys were busy in school and summer camp. Their grandparents, aunts, and uncles loved having them around. Life was good. So maybe next year, and then next year, and suddenly, our boys were off to college. While we did travel with them, we did not give our boys the gift of bilingualism. I'm in awe of parents like Bettina and Greg who did choose the bolder path which in the end has such sweet rewards. If you know some families with school-aged children, you might pass this episode on to them. Who knows what might happen. America the Bilingual is part of the Lead with Languages campaign of ACTFL, the American Council on the Teaching of Foreign Languages. This episode was written by me, Steve Levine, and our producer, Fernando Hernandez, who also does sound design and mixing. Associate producer is Becky Rankin. Editorial consultants are Mim Harrison and Maya Thomas. Graphic arts are provided by Carlos Plaza Design Studio. Music in this episode by Kevin McLeod, Francisco Panilla, Lloyd Rogers with the Cartesian Reunion Memorial Orchestra, Komiku, and Lee Rosevere. All thanks to the Free Music Archive, directed by WFMU. The tape of Bettina's Daughter is a free reenactment. We wish we could have gotten our hands on the original recording. To see photos of Bettina as a young dancer, as a model, and as a mother of five, check out the episode notes at americathebilingual.com. Thanks for listening for America the Bilingual. This is Steve Levine.